0: Practicing today with the Montreal Alouettes. Doesn't look like he'll be the starter Thursday against the Eskimos, but wouldn't surprise me if he plays. J.C. Sherritt looking good. C.J. Gable uh, also hopeful to play. Those two uh, key Eskimos were injured a week and a half ago when they beat the Toronto Argos. The Oil Kings have announced Luke Pierce as an assistant coach. The 34-year-old was an assistant for Canada's Paralympic sledge hockey team, capturing silver at the Paralympic Games in 2018, also an assistant coach with Team Canada Red at the World U-17 Hockey Challenge. Also spent uh, two seasons as head coach of the Kootenai Ice and over five years as head coach and GM of the Merritt Centennials in the BCHL. Luke Pierce joining the Edmonton Oil Kings coaching staff. Uh, well, you know, it's talking about Doug Flutie in the last half hour, and uh, I, I, again, I my... The comparisons to Manzel and Flutie are not on the field. They're maybe somewhat in the path to the CFL. Uh, and, I, and I consider Flutie the greatest CFL player of all time. Jay texting in, he goes, top players ever in the CFL. One, Doug Flutie, two Warren Moon, and then Jay says he can't decide between Anthony Calvillo and Pinball Clemens for number three. Wayne says, my top three, Jackie Parker, Warren Moon, Doug Flutie, special mention to Ron Lancaster, Normie Kwong, and George Reed. Well, regardless of the order, I I would take any of those guys on my team reed Wilkins with you tonight on inside sports uh, i would think the greatest canadian golfer of all time and no disrespect to my next guest ian leggett uh would have to be mike weir ian uh because when you win a major tends to tends to
1: move you to the top of the list pretty quickly yeah pretty much i would have to say especially <laughs> if you've got a green jacket in your closet
0: uh, when, you were, uh, when you were a young guy growing up who did you look up to as a golfer I mean was there a Canadian to, to speak of at the time as an inspiration or did you have to look up to other guys
1: no for me I was always a Tom Watson fan and a Hogan fan so um, you know I just didn't really uh, you know gravitate to the Canadian players I mean obviously at my time George Newson would have been that guy uh, but I was just uh, more focused on kind of the flash, of a little bit more flash of the American player. So uh, George had an amazing career, obviously, and, and, uh, and warrants uh, to be followed by all Canadians. But, uh, but Tom Watson was my guy.
0: Yeah, Watson, uh, a great player for sure. Love playing the, the British Open, which I want to talk about in a couple of minutes. Uh, Ian, I, I was at a, a news conference today for the Oil Country Championship. That's on the McKenzie Tour, which is, you know, the Canadian Tour basically here uh, for guys trying to work their way up to the PGA Tour. Uh, I know I talked to a couple of local guys who are going to be playing in the event. Will Bateman, who uh, won a tournament in South America a couple of years ago. And, you know, Graham Dillette, Adam ha- Adam Hadwin, among the Canadians who uh, earlier in their careers were on the McKenzie Tour tour when you were uh, working your your way up to the pga tour uh what was uh what was your path where were some of the uh you know i guess the triple a or double a circuits you played on
1: well i played i played the canadian tour for nine years and actually drove my car across the country oh, nine geez. times so uh, i've been there and done that i played the south american tour i played in asia i played in japan so um i played in south africa i played all over the world uh to you know keep my game sharp and be competitive and get ready for you know fortunately finally getting out on the P J tour it took a little bit longer than anticipated but uh you know the road along the way was a fantastic road and uh, i have a lot of great friends and fond memories of my times at you know wolf creek and and playing at mayfair in edmonton and a lot of great friends still in edmonton so uh I uh, you know still remember those times fondly and, and cherish them as a stepping stones to finally getting to the PGA Tour. Yeah,
0: I'm glad you remember that because I was that was the next curveball I was going to throw you. And you've played hundreds of tournaments, but I, I'm glad you won't, because that the, was that the was it just called the Alberta Open when they had it at Wolf
1: Creek? Yeah, it was, and it was a, it was a great event. It was on during the Pinoca Stampede as well, so um, it was a week before the Pinoca Stampede, and then we went to Edmonton, and we would come back and, and take in some. Some events and some fun at the Pinocchio Stampede during the tournament in Edmonton. Uh,
0: any similarities between Wolf Creek and British Open conditions? There's my segue. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, 100. Uh, um, percent Definitely, you know the type of fairways, the type of terrain that you played on there, and um, you know I have a lot of great memories again with, with the Vold family that own Wolf Creek, and um, but definitely I, I think it's. Uh, I, in my opinion, I really feel that Wolf Creek is probably the most underrated golf course in the country and really deserves to be a little bit higher on the you know annual ranking list than it actually is.
0: Well, a lot of people listening uh, love hearing you say that for sure. Ian Leggett joining us on uh, Inside Sports, former PGA Tour pro analyst with uh, Sportsnet. And, you know, I I, I got to ask you, because when you watch the British Open, or whether it's at Carnoustie or wherever, I mean, the, the Lynx golf, the wind can absolutely play havoc you can get unpredictable uh, bounces as well look ian i i golf a couple times a week in the summer i got one swing and i just try to hit the ball solid how many how many different swings or, or you know low trajectory high trajectory is is a guy going to have to pull out when he plays the the british open somewhere like carnoustie
1: well, you're absolutely right. You're talking about the bounces. I mean, that's the difference between the British Open and what you see week in and week out on the PGA Tour is that guys have got to understand and be able to accept those bounces and be able to play the ball on the ground more than they actually do in the air. Um, and that's sometimes a little bit difficult for people to get uh, an understanding. We saw how long it took Phil Mickelson to you know, realize that he can't Play, you know, if you want to call it an American-style game at the British Open, you have got to play the ball on the ground, and it was accentuated this week, obviously at Carnoustie, because how dry and baked out it was. So the ball could get away from you, and you just have to accept what kind of it gets delivered to you, and that's the beauty of the game. It's very raw. I like to say that the British Open is is very raw. It's, when you when you are watching the PGA Tour week in and week out, I mean the manicuring is at its absolute perfection every single week and you don't have to deal with some of those brutal lies and bounces that you would kind of get delivered to you at the british open and you have to be able to get used to that so i love it i love watching it it's a different way to play the game and i think that the you know players are understanding how important it is to play the ball on the ground
0: Ian, i, I gotta ask you this because you know i i I, I love golf I love playing golf and I can only imagine what it would be like to have the the swing and the thought process of, of these guys at the highest level and someone like you who played on the tour when they when they're playing Carnoustie and they drive into you know the fescue that that knee-high grass and sometimes they hit a really good shot out of there and sometimes they, they can't even get it out. when you're walking up up to the ball in that situation, what are you? What are you looking at? I mean, are you cons- are you considering a bailout? Are you considering how you're going to be able to strike the ball? I mean, I, I just because to me, I think, well, I guess I can't hit this, play, but you know, they're still trying to think of the best shot possible. So, what do you? What's going through your head in those moments? You're walking up to the ball, looking at the lie in that grass.
1: Well, that, you're, you're looking at it first of all as if you how much club you're going to get on it, and then you know, we saw a lot of shots this week where guys were able to get the club on the ball because the fescue uh was very very thin because it was dried out so we saw some you know incredible shots and with that the ball will come out with no spin on it so you've got to figure out how far this ball is going to travel especially again you're playing on incredibly hard fairways so you're going to have to figure out you know once it hits the ground where's this ball going to end up so that's the greater challenge rather than just going in you know there's there's no you know, great talent, other than brute strength, and going in there at a U.S. Open type venue, or when you get it in more lush, gruff and going in there and taking your sandwich out and chopping it out. There's a much more skill involved in figuring out, you know, where this ball is going to, you know, end up and how it's going to come out. Is it coming out fast? Is it coming out slow? Um, and then you've got to navigate, you know, pot bunkers and and obviously the burn at Carnoustie. So. You're, you're factoring all that in. A lot of guys will you know, lean on their caddy for some advice on that. But most players on the PGA tier, on the PGA tour are just going to look down at that ball and realize whether they're going to be how much club and, and you know how fast that ball is going to come out of the line.
0: Ian Leggett joining us on Inside Sports so Francesco Molinari gets the win I, I gotta say Ian I, I was shocked it didn't go to a playoff considering there was a six way tie for the lead with about six holes to go um, what, what? I mean it, it just looked like an error free round for, for my eye watching it what would you say about Molinari's round
1: Well, I I think it led from Saturday. I mean, how a guy goes around that golf course and doesn't make a bogey for 36 holes is pretty impressive. And that's just the way he plays the game. He, you know, arguably he may be with the best driver of the golf ball, um, you know, on the PGA tour. He doesn't have the length of a Dustin Johnson, but, um, he's incredibly accurate and plenty long enough. So he's a beautiful ball striker. And in the last, you know, two, two and a half months, he's, he's discovered Um, a short game that never really existed before, which is kind of rare for a guy at 35 years old to develop such a stealth short game. He's become a very good putter. It looks like he's always been a good putter. So this this isn't a moment of of luck or a hot streak. I don't think that he's on with that aspect of his game. He's talked about, uh, you know, working hard with a mental coach and and, and whatever is going on in there is obviously helping him with whatever's happening in his short game because he's always been a good ball striker. So, but what he did on the weekend, especially the pressure of playing with Tiger Woods on a Sunday at a major championship, and the Tiger got himself in the hunt, um, also you know put accentuates the pressure on a player like that, and he just didn't even flinch.
0: Well, and I think it was when he was teeing off on ten for a few moments there, Tiger had the lead by, by a shot. Obviously, he went, uh, what was a double bogey-bogey on 11 and 12. But when he nosed into the lead there, Ian, what were you thinking? Because I was thinking, uh-oh, is, is this the time? Is he finally going to do it?
1: Yeah, no, I actually thought you that too. When he hit that bunker shot on 10, that was the moment I thought we, we are seeing, you know, the 2000 version of Tiger Woods, because I didn't think we'd ever see that again. I thought that, you know, Tiger's been playing well. He's been finding form, but the speed and, and, you know, the risk that he took on that bunker shot on 10 just showed, I think, the golf world that he really is back. And I think it showed Tiger that he's back. I think when he took that, you know, especially the three-wood he hit on six when he hit 280 into the wind on, on the front edge of the green, I think everybody realized at that moment we are now seeing a Tiger that we I don't think anybody ever thought we would see again. So I think it's opened the door to him to be able to play more confidently and really believe in himself that he can win again. So there's no doubt in my mind, not only is Tiger Woods going to win on the PGA Tour again, but he's going to win a major championship.
0: Ian, I'm gonna throw. And by the way, I'm, I'm marking that tape down. So when he does, we bring you on the day after and play that for sure. Uh, I'm Perfect. gonna th- I'm gonna throw one more fun one at you here. Tiger obviously had the moment on 18 when a fan yelled in his in his downswing. Xander Schofley had, I mean, he laughed about it. The, the, he's he's practice doing practice swings out of the rough, and there was a kid nearby and said, "When's he gonna hit it?" or something like that. And everybody kind of chuckled, and he started his routine over. Let me ask you a personal experience. Uh, most distracting or I'll put most distracting or most humorous moment you ever experienced in a tournament?
1: Oh, I mean, that, that kind of stuff actually happens all the time, but uh, I mean, at Phoenix, obviously the Phoenix open is one of the, one of the moments that everybody has to, if you play in that tournament, you're going to have to live through it and you either love it or you hate it. But, uh, um, you know, you, you, come up there and these guys in the stands i don't know where they get their information from but they've done full research on every player that comes to the tee so um those moments are a little tricky uh i think for everybody and um but I, i think you go you go through that on the pga tour week in and week out or the moment where somebody's going to yell something in the middle of your swing but uh you know, I can't. I can't think of anything embarrassing. Uh, other, you know, other than those moments where it is, it can be a bit embarrassing when those, there's a group of fans that sit right on the railing at the Phoenix Open that yell stuff out about either your kid's names or your middle name, or no way. you know, things like that. That's a, that's a little oh. unnerving at times. But they don't get
0: like, um, like too personal. Like, is it just? Just to let you know, they've looked. No, you up it's or-
1: just that, you know, some guys will yell out your kid's name, say hi to whoever. You know, oh, like that, or, you know, they may find out if you had a funny middle name, and they'll start call- you know chanting it as you come to the tee. So <laughs> it's all in fun and games, but uh, and uh, you know, but you know what's coming. So as soon as you go through that tunnel from 15 to 16, you uh, you better be prepared. And if you're a little weak on on, on that side of the fence, you you're probably not going to handle it very well.
0: Well, and I mean, the I mean, Woods would have thousands, several thousands of people. I mean, uh, the there's there's thousands of people watching you take every shot, so it's never totally quiet. I mean, it can never, right? It's never, it's never like still, like you're playing, you know, twosome at seven a.m. at Riverside or in Edmonton or something, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. But you know, playing with Tiger is actually great. I mean, I played with him a few times, and he's very courteous. He's a great guy to play with. So I think you know for. You know The pressures that you're dealing with when you're playing with Tiger Woods are coming from the fans. It's not coming from him uh, because he's very uh, aware of what's going on and how it can potentially affect your game. Um, So he he really is a great guy to play golf with.
0: Ian, it's a pleasure to have you on on the show. Love your insight. We'll probably bug you again in three weeks after the PGA, so I hope you're near your phone. (laughs) Sounds great. That's Ian Leggett checking in tonight. Uh, great Canadian golfer, now an analyst for Sportsnet. Uh, man, great stuff from him. Talking about playing at uh, Wolf Creek when he played on the Canadian Tour. And uh, talking about Lynx golf there, how you have to really know how to play the ball on the ground more than in the air. Sheldon texting in, he says, uh, Good evening, Reed. Lynx-style golf is the best. I think it has a pool component to it. Maybe a little snooker. <laughs> There's a great...
2: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
0: The local golfer Will Bateman getting ready for the Oil Country Championship when we get back. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630 Chad. All right, the Oil Country Championship tees off next Thursday at the Petroleum Club. Stuff's going to start happening uh, Monday with qualifying the Pro-Am next Tuesday. Six sponsor exemptions announced today, including Edmonton's Will Bateman, the 24-year-old, very familiar with the Petroleum Club.
2: Uh, yeah, I grew up here uh, about age 8 to 13 and played a bunch of golf. Obviously, it's from the shorter tees, uh, from the reds. But, uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good test of golf, uh, lots of variation in holes. And I'm just looking forward to, uh, you know, to a couple back tees on the last few holes. And it should be, it should be a fun week. Where do you feel your game is at right now? Uh, well, you know, you, uh, you appreciate being healthy, I think, uh, which is most important and, um, you know, for the last year I haven't been, so uh, I'm working with a new, uh, new coach and for the last few years and he's just, you know, gotten me back to being 100% healthy and, you know, I'm just looking forward to being out there, really. What's your experience on Canadian Tour, McKenzie Tour? Uh, so I turned pro in 2012, I think, the end of 2012. Um, and I've had status on this tour uh, every year since. Um, and it's just been a great experience to, you know, get used to traveling, I think. Uh, you know, the schedule... You know, they don't go from east coast to west coast or west to east. It's kind of like all scattered. So you really learn, uh, you know, kind of the, what traveling's like. Uh, same with, you know, if you were on the web.com, there's, I think there's over 25 events out there, and, and they're all over America. So it sets you up pretty well to, you know, to get used to that type of lifestyle. What's the
0: separation? Yeah, give, give fans a sense of the separation from the McKenzie Tour to the PGA Tour, I mean, is that just consistency? Is it finding a mental
2: edge? Because it could be a couple shots a weekend, right? Yeah, I definitely think it's consistency. Um, I hang out with uh, JJ Spawn, who won this money list in, I think it was 2015. Um, I play golf with him on Saturday, and yeah, it's just, you know, they're just a few shots better um, here and there, and, and just like you said, more consistent, and um, you know, I watch him play 18 holes of golf, and. It just seems to me, I mean, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, he, he had a third on the, on the PJ Tour. I think it was at one of the tournaments in Texas, and I think he hit 50 out of 54 fairways, something like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, doing, you know, obviously doing stuff like that, you, uh, you're going to play pretty good golf.
0: Will Bateman, more from him on 630Ched.com, Oil Country Championship, Uh Tickets at oilcountrychampionship.com. All net funds, by the way, go into the Glen Rose. So that's pretty cool as well. All right, that's Inside Sports for tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Thanks to everybody who texted Morley Scott and Jason Moss up next with the Eskimos Coaches Show. 630 Ched, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Ched.